is at hand. Hey, preacher. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And the same John had raiment of camel's hair and leather and girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region round about Jordan. Heavenly Father, I ask that you just touch us this morning. Touch us with your word, Lord. Touch us with a word of encouragement. Touch us with your presence, Lord, here as we get into your word this morning, Lord. Let it encourage us. Let it lift us. Let us remind us of your ever-presence in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about a little bit about John the Baptist. I want to talk to you about some strange preachers this morning. Uh, John the Baptist, he was a strange preacher. I think you could say that. Uh, he had a strange message. Here he was. He spoke of the kingdom of heaven, and uh, he was uh, coming. The kingdom of heaven was at hand. He spoke about the uh, Messiah was here, and the long-awaited Messiah was here, and he was telling people that, that he had come and his arrival was here. You know what's strange is even today, uh, we may shout it at the top of our lungs, and we may tell people that we love that Jesus has come and that he died for them and that he was buried and he's resurrected. They can have everlasting life. And it's still a strange message to a lot of people today. They, they just don't get it. They don't understand. It's, it's strange to them. And I can imagine uh, uh, here he is dressed the way he's dressed and out in the wilderness or the edge of the wilderness. And he's trying to tell his people that their long-awaited Messiah is here, that he's arrived. That was a strange message. It was difficult for them to believe. Not only was his strange message, but he had a strange pulpit. Tree stumps and hillsides, the wilderness, a long voice crying in the wilderness is what the voice of the verses say. But how appropriate is that voice that telling them of a of a Messiah that's come from the wilderness? A wilderness that God's children had spent so much time wandering in in the years before. So much time wandering, and, and, and yet during that time of wandering, the Lord provided for them. He, he always provided. He, he provided manna from each morning to feed them. He provided moisture and water from a rock to, give, to, to quench their thirst. And now from that same wilderness is a lone voice saying, the, the Messiah has arrived. Jesus is a, the, the Son of God is here. He had a strange dress, camel's hair, leather and girdle. I started to wear tight leather skinny jeans this morning. I thought it might make an impression, but, but that would be kind of strange. This old fat man in leather skinny jeans, wouldn't it? I didn't think I could do that, though. I could, just couldn't bring myself to do it. But you know, he had, a, he had a strange dress about him. He had a strange look about him. But listen, John the Baptist was, was strange. Uh, he, he, he was a strange preacher. And if we saw some guy dressed strange today, do we people dress, so we'd see all kind of strange people today. And, and the more strangely dressed they are, the less likely that we are to pay attention to what they might have to say. I think of the tattoos, and I think of the piercings, I think of other things, and, and oftentimes, it's, and I'm as guilty as the rest of you, oftentimes we will, we, we will discount an individual that, simply off of the looks and the appearance that they have. And here he is out there dressed like this on the edge of the woods, hollering that God's only son, begotten son, has arrived, that the Messiah has arrived. 
And I think if, if we saw somebody tattooed up and maybe, maybe in today's definition of strange or today's definition of weird, however you want to put it, okay, and he's some guy standing there telling us that Jesus is coming again, that, that Jesus is going to appear again, that, that Jesus has arrived, I believe we would find some other adjectives other than strange to call that individual. But he came with a powerful message. You know, I thought about this. I thought about John the Baptist, and I thought about, while well, he is a strange preacher, and I thought about it, I said, but you know what? God uses all sorts of things to get a message to his people. He uses all kinds of things to speak to and to touch his children and to get a message through to his children. Luke 19.40, uh, the... the the people around and the Pharisees and so forth uh, had told Jesus that, that he needed to speak to his disciples. And uh, Jesus saith, in Luke 19, 40, Jesus saith unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. What he's saying is if, if, if my disciples were to hold their peace, if they weren't to say what they were saying, if they weren't to teach what they were teaching, then even the stones would cry out and preach it. Even the stones would cry out and give you the message that you need to mess, that you need to hear. And sometimes, you know, I think a lot of times when we get off track and we have sin in our lives and we have those things alive, the preacher's not around. I can't tell you the last time somebody says, hey, hey, Brother Jim, I think I'm going to go out and cheat on my wife. Will you be my wingman at the bar tonight? It just doesn't happen, okay? You, uh, the, normally when we get in those situations and we need to hear a word from God, whether it be a word of encouragement, you can even be a called servant of God. You can even be a called, such as Noah building the ark and so forth. He's a called servant of God, but yet but every, everybody was against him. Everybody laughed at him. He felt like he was alone. But yet he needed at times to hear an encouraging word, an encouraging word from God. And what does, what, what does God do? Genesis 8:11, he sends Noah, he sends Noah a dove. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. That, bug, that dove brought a message of faithfulness from God. A message of faithfulness of God. He's faithful for us. He's faithful to us. Think about Noah and faith. Noah had faith in God, first just to build the ark. God told him he needed to build it, and he built it. God told him what he needed to put on it and what was going to be put on it, and it got put on it. But God did not tell him how long he was going to be on it. He knew it was going to rain for 40 days. He knew he was going to need it. He knew there was going to be two of each animals, but he had no idea how long he was going to be on that ark. And after 150 days, the waters began to abate. That's five months. That's five months the waters began to abate. And the dove brings this olive branch to him. The faithfulness of God that all that God had told him was coming true. But Noah didn't know if it was going to be five months or five years. I'll tell you one thing. Robin and I, at one time in our lives, when we moved from South Georgia back closer to home, lived with my sister. For six months. I didn't think it would ever end. You talk about a heart. I love my sister. Bless her heart. I love her to death. But living with my sister. And here's Noah living with his family and all these animals on an ark for five months. Faithfulness. He had faith in God. And God brought him that message. That dove brought him that olive branch. And it was a message of faithfulness. God saying, I'm, I'm faithful to you. I, I keep my promises to you. The waters are gone. God is good. God is great. God blesses you. I mean, it's the message that the dove brought to Noah. 
Another strange messenger, another strange preacher is Balaam's donkey. In Numbers 22, 28, And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? That donkey brought a message of rebuke. If you don't know that story, Balaam was enlisted to come help him. And the, uh, he was a prophet. And initially God had told him he couldn't go. The, 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 the king, the, pl the place where he was going, they were worried about being defeated by the Israelites. And God told Balaam he couldn't go. <clears throat> told him twice he couldn't go, if I recall. But finally Balaam convinced him, or convinced himself, and God gave him permission to go. But he was not going for God. He was not going to serve God. He was going to serve himself and to get the riches and the rewards that he could earn. <clears throat> so because of that, the angel of the Lord stood in his path on his way as he went and attempted to strike him down three different times. <clears throat> and Balaam's donkey dodged the angel of death. The donkey could see the angel. Balaam could not. <clears throat> The donkey could see the angel. Balaam could not. The donkey would dodge out of the way. He would knock Balaam on the ground. He would knock him against the wall. He would do these other things to avoid that angel of death. To avoid, He's saving his master is what he was doing. But Balaam had no idea he was doing that. And each time the donkey did that, Balaam hit the donkey. He beat the donkey with a staff. He's smitten the donkey is what it says. And all of a sudden the donkey turns to him and it says, What have I done to thee? Thou hast smitten me three times. The angel of God was going to strike him down. The, the, the donkey was just doing a good thing for his thing, and yet he was getting beat for it each and every time. When that donkey and the, and, and the Lord opened that donkey's mouth, what he did is he gave him a message of rebukeness to Balaam. I'm a good and faithful servant. Why do you keep beating me? <coughs> Why do you keep beating me? Oftentimes, even if we get permission to go on a journey from God, we get narrow focused on that journey. We get narrow focused on that journey. And like Balaam, we end up hurting people that are around us, that are most faithful to us, that are most trusted to us, that bless us and love us the most. That donkey was a faithful servant to Balaam. And yet here he is beating it three different times. It was a message of rebuke. Elijah's ravens in 1 Kings 17.6 and, and the ravens brought him bread and fish, flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and he drank of the brook. Here Elijah, <coughs> he had called for a three-year drought. Israel was in a three-year drought. They were in pain. They were suffering. Nothing would grow. Food sources were drying up. Water sources were drying up. And everybody was blaming Elijah because Elijah had called for this drought. But here ravens, Elijah's by the brook, and God sends a raven every morning, every evening, bringing him fresh food, fresh bread. It's a message that Romans 8, 28 brings to us today. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them who are called according to His purpose. 
Ravens, that raven was a message from God, and it was certainly a strange preacher. It was certainly a strange preacher to Elijah. But it brings a powerful message that even though we work through diff- even though we have to go through difficult times with God, even though we have to go through those times and we struggle through those times, that we know that God is faithful. We know that those that, that it's for the good of those that love God. We know that when we come through, when we come through that struggle. No matter how hard it may be, whether it be a three-year struggle, whether it be a three-month struggle, whether it be a three-hour struggle, we know when we come to the end of that struggle, it's going to come out for the good of God. God's going to get some use out of it. Have you ever been through a struggle? Have you ever had a hard time only to find yourself in a position years later where you can help somebody go through the very same thing? It's used for God's good. You learn, you either learn from it or you're able to help somebody else from it because of what you've gone through. The next strange preacher is the rich man's dog out of Luke 16, 21. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. That dog brought a message of compassion. He brought a message of compassion to the poor man. The poor man had nothing here on earth. All All he had to look forward to was the crumbs from his master's table, from the rich man's table. And while he received nothing here, he received his reward in heaven. You know from, you know from the story that's told, he, he winds up in the bosom of Abraham and the rich man winds up in hell looking across, looking at him. But those dogs that came to lick his wounds when he had nothing, when he was expecting nothing, when all he desired was the crumbs from, his, from the rich man's table, the dogs that came to lick his wounds brought a story and a message of compassion. God has compassion for us. God, he walked this earth as both man and God. He wept outside the tomb of Lazarus' grave. He didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. He knew he could bring him back to life. He wept. He wept at the emotions of the loss of all the people around were feeling. He felt those things. He knew those things. He felt those feelings himself. Those messes, those, those dogs licking your wound. I mean, you've seen dogs that are wounded. You've seen dogs that have hurt. And they, they lick their own wounds. I, I do not recommend you allow them to lick your wounds because while it may have healing qualities for them, it has infection qualities for you. But they desire to lick your wounds. They do, and it's a message of compassion. The next strange preacher was Simon Peter's rooster. In Luke 22, 60, 62, and Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spoke, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter, Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. You know Peter denied the Lord three times. We're all covered by the same flesh and the same type of denials that Peter has, that Jonah has. I mean, we're covered with that same flesh. The, the, the blood of Adam still runs through our veins. It's called sin, and it's called a sin nature. When that cock crowed for the third time, Peter became convicted. He, he went out and wept bitterly. He saw his wrong. He saw his sin. He saw his denial. He regretted it. He was convicted of it. That rooster brought a message of repentance. 
A rooster for God is a strange preacher, but it's a powerful message. Do you remember how when you heard the rooster crow in your life? I remember times I've heard the rooster crow in my life. It wasn't a literal rooster, but that, that, that's the way, best way to describe it. And we get convicted of our sin. We get convicted of what's, what we've done wrong. We get convicted of what it is we're actually doing in our life. The next strange preacher was Herod's worms. Acts 12, 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Herod had a mighty pride. Pride was his problem. And he has a pride like, a, like people today. I, that, that, that's one of the main issues, I think, today is the, is the pride of people. Pre, people's pride gets in their way of a lot of things. They won't give, even God's children and God's people, they won't give God the glory for what God accomplishes. They don't feel like they need God. They don't feel like they want God. Feel like they can do whatever they need to do. They can do it themselves. They can accomplish it themselves. Who is God, they say. Herod died by worms eating him from the inside out. A horrible, painful death. It was a message of judgment. The worms brought a message of judgment, a powerful message. You realize that one day we will all, each and every one of us, face a judgment. You will. We'll face a judgment. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're going to face the white throne judgment. And God's going to look. He's going to look in the book of life. He's going to see if your name is written there. And you're going to be judged. If you're a child of Christ, you're going to face the judgment of the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to look upon your books. Your name's been found in the book of life. So you go before the judgment seat of Christ and he's going to look at your deeds. He's going to look at your service. He's going to look at, he's going to give you your rewards. We all face judgment. Herod's Warner's brought a message of judgment. And that's important because... The next strange preacher is the angel of no more time. You're going to face that judgment based off of decisions you make in this life, in this earth, at this time. And there's an angel in Revelation 10, verses 5 and 6. It says, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things therein and the earth and the things that are therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. There's going to be the judgment and there's a time restraint on it. That angel brought a message of no more time. You had your chance. The opportunity is now. The time is now for you to make the decisions you need to make, for the decision you make whether you accept what Christ has done for you or not. Listen, the price has been paid. The sin debt's been paid. Jesus came to this earth. He came to it pure. He came to it perfect. He walked upon this earth. He took your sin upon him. He took it upon his back. He took it to the cross, and he took it to the grave to pay your debt, to pay our debt. But you have to accept it. You have to receive it. There's a time stamp due. All bills have a time stamp due of a due date. That due date is coming. It's what the angel of no more time says, that there should be time no longer. There will come a day 
You don't know. None of us know when that day can be. Your day may be tomorrow. And I'm not talking about Jesus reappearing in the sky and calling us home. I'm talking about your time here on this earth. It could end tomorrow. He could come back tomorrow, but your time on earth could end tomorrow. Your chance to, ability to operate, your, your, your procrastination of continuing to deny, continuing to refuse, continuing to not accept what he has done for you. And time will run out. It will run out for each and every one of us. It's a message, that angel is bringing a message of extreme urgency. You may not have tomorrow. You may not have another week. You may not have another month. Your judgment might come today. It might come tomorrow. It might come as you sleep tonight. I don't know where you're at with salvation. I don't know where you're at in that process. But there's seven different messages from seven strange preachers that God sends. And you know, He sends us sometimes. He likes to send us those messages in our lives. He likes to send them when we're resistant. He likes to send them when we are off track. He likes to send us even when we're in His service and we're getting discouraged. The preachers here on Sunday morning, the preachers here on Wednesday night, the preachers here if you want to make a phone call to Him. But you know what? Most of the times of your day in and day out life, it's, it's you. It's you taking those steps. It's you making those decisions. It's you making those choices. And you know what? It's not always the pastor there to give the encouraging word. But Jesus, the Lord, has a way of sending you those certain messages that you need at the time. Whether it be conviction, whether it be judgment, whether it be encouragement, whether it be even a message of time urgency to you. And that's called through the Holy Spirit that walks in you each and every day. We all get those messages. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is whispering them to us. Sometimes he's like Balaam's donkey and wants to beat us over the head with it. But do we listen? Do you hear those messages? I love the soft whisper of God in my ear. You ever felt it? You ever heard it? There's nothing more beautiful than the soft. You're in the quiet. You're in the peace. Maybe you're in the garden or you're in the bedroom or you're sitting at the kitchen table as the sun rises up, having your cup of coffee before you go to work. And you get a whisper. It could be the first hummingbird landing on the bird feeder of the day. And you get a whisper of his beauty and his blessings in your life. It can be a song. He's trying to reach you. I don't know what he's trying to tell you as an individual, but you know. What I encourage you to do is to take a moment and listen. Take a moment and listen. Miss Sharon, as you come this morning.
What strange preachers do you have in your life other than your pastor that stands before you this morning? He ain't in leather skinny jeans, but I can be pretty strange. What I encourage you to do this morning is just listen. Just listen. You stand this morning as Miss Sharon plays.